Part 4. Nocalito. Mumbling professors sit uncomfortably, talking randomly about confused computers and dislocated amygdalas. Following Zen admonitions, they focus intently on their left foot and inner thigh until synapses smoke, computers falter, and for one brief moment, reality appears. Jack Hadley, Mind Dance Chapter 13 My eyes flickered open and took in soft light, filtering through yellow curtains. Unfamiliar birds were busy outside, filling the air with tropical tunes. I pulled on a faded blue work shirt out of my backpack and put on my Levi's, walked outside into the cool but already balmy morning air, and sat down on the doorstep to lace up my boots. Everything seemed so quiet and peaceful. There was absolutely no visible danger here, not even a hint of it. Here I was, at least momentarily enjoying a perfect vacation in paradise, and I caught myself hoping that Mahi would just effortlessly show up. I walked across the cottage patio and looked to the east, remembering Mahi's brother who lived over there on the lake somewhere. Down below me, the smooth surface of the water was starting to appear through a low-hanging morning mist, and in the distance, sunlight was already bright on the main volcano, and up from me, the other resort rentals sported red tile roofs and white adobe walls covered with flowering vines and deep red bougainvilleas. A young girl, in traditional Wipili dress, was walking down toward me on the path. She was perhaps ten, moving with casual grace, carrying a silver platter loaded with a big cup of coffee and a glass of fresh orange juice, plus slices of fruit. For a moment I thought she was the girl in the church last night, but no, she was someone new. Thanks. You're an angel, I said in Spanish. She nodded, but said nothing. She turned and hurried back up the path toward the main house. The coffee was good. A breeze touched the nape of my neck, coming down from pine-topped mountains a couple thousand feet above the lake. The scent in the air was so expansive and complete that the moment seemed to have decided to stretch out and go on forever. Then a boat suddenly broke into view from the east, moving fast toward the cove down below. A well-preserved Chris Craft inboard, with its hardwood hull cutting heavily through the water. Aside from a few native dugouts, this was the first boat I'd seen on the lake this morning. The boat disappeared from view right down below. I couldn't see the dock, but I heard the big engine suddenly drop into nothingness. A few moments later... A young woman appeared, walking lightly up the steps about a hundred feet away from me, headed toward the main building. Her short blonde hair was tied casually into a prancing ponytail behind her head. She looked confident in her walk, good-looking like a high-spirited horse is good-looking. Her athletic legs flexed between short shorts and tennis shoes, and a maroon scarf was tied loosely around her neck. Very nice. 
Francesca came out to greet her, and I watched as the two women sat down together at one of the main patio's dining tables. Feeling hungry, I came walking up the wide steps to the veranda, and Francesca waved me to their table, her expression muted. Jack, this is Ursula Eklund, she said evenly to me in English. She's a friend from around a few curves in the lake, but originally from very far away over in Sweden. I shook hands with the woman. She had a good solid handshake. My pleasure, I said, meeting blue eyes. Jack's a psychologist from up in San Francisco, Francesca told her as I sat down. And by coincidence, Jack, this is also Ursula's profession. The woman shrugged her lovely shoulders and smiled just slightly. So tell me, she said in her lilting Scandinavian accent, don't you find the everyday business of traditional psychology quite boring? I met her eyes and saw a half-playful edge to her grin. Just then Francesca looked at her watch. You must excuse me, she said. I have a doctor appointment. I return in an hour. If you are here, Jack, we can meet for lunch. She touched Ursula's shoulder as a goodbye. Her expression still masked, somehow worried. Then hurried over to her rover, got in and drove fast up the driveway and gone. Neither of us remaining at the table spoke while the air cleared of exhaust and the sound of the vehicle faded. I sipped my coffee and then accompanied the Swedish woman to the breakfast buffet to load up my plate. So, if you find psychology boring, I asked her, why are you in it? Oh, from the time I was sixteen, I was consumed studying everything from medicine to the occult. I moved to the United States because so much was happening there in my particular field. Which is? She eyed me. The deep working of the mind, the neural interface of cognition and emotion. I let that thought simmer while I dug into my food, and she followed suit. And then she put down her fork and wiped her lips with a linen napkin. I am just now finishing new research, she told me, that you might like to see. Hmm, I said, and added without thinking it through, are you perhaps working down here with a man called Bernard Bernhardt? Ah, so Francesca told you. Yes, indeed, Berno. And currently we are consumed. This morning I have time only for a quick soak in the hot springs. If you like... We can continue our conversation in a submerged posture. Still not sure if Francesca had set up this encounter or if it was pure happenstance, but feeling highly curious and seeing no reason to resist the woman's offer, I followed her down the cliff and inside the cave. In the dim lighting of a few overhanging bulbs in the cave, I saw that the emaciated old man was back up on his meditation perch in the mist. Ursula ignored him, and soon our shared water became utterly revealing with nothing left to the imagination. I noted that the left side of her body seemed slightly weak and drooping compared with the right side. 
Her smile was downturned a bit on the left side, and her left breast was considerably smaller than the right one. Aside from that, she came across as a 100% assertive beauty, zero bashfulness, remarkable body, good laugh, and a fun girl. But like a big red flag, the emotional side of her appeared entirely elusive. Ah, each week I look forward to this moment, she said, her nipples slightly submerged. So where'd you meet Bernardo? I asked. Oh, various places. Zurich, Luxembourg, Stanford. Bernardo is my hero. He has a mind like no other human being. Like myself, he was busy gobbling large hunks of science in great gulps. But he digests them whole, grasping key essentials without fixating on details. For the details, he chose me to be the scientific extension of his intent. Intent to do what? I asked. Just as I was saying those words, I felt the big toe of her left foot just lightly touching the inside of my right thigh, stimulating an involuntary erotic flush through my pleasure zones. I met her eyes and moved slightly away from her touch. I'm, um, just now otherwise engaged at that level, I told her honestly. Ah, what a shame. I just now am feeling, she said in her husky up-front voice, a sudden yen to make contact below this crazy brain of mine. You cannot know what a relief it is to be over here. We're in such a high-pressure mode at the hacienda. So you say you have someone special who touches you like I perhaps want to? I eyed her across the water, nodded yes. And she went on, Can you tune into this person's presence? Are you connected energetically? Can you feel her right now? Hmm, now that's a nice focus, I said. Yeah, I can. So, point in her direction. Actually, she's off somewhere on her own adventure right now. We're meeting later, up north. So, you're here on your own, she went on. Uh, yeah, I'm headed home soon. In that case, might I invite you to spend an hour or two today over at Bernardo's lab, where I can show you the innards of our research. You will return quite satisfied, I assure you. We have made breakthroughs that will take the plodding academic world up north fifty years, and even then, they'll never have the audacity to even imagine attempting what we've already achieved. Meaning exactly what, I said. The invention of equipment, she went on, that can recognize and amplify any emotion or short thought flow and broadcast that complex vibrational information outward into receptor brains where it's received at subliminal levels. And also, she went on, I myself have now completed my own research documenting the human aura, software that identifies and amplifies the energetic emanations of the seven chakras and images them 
as holographic presentations. Oh, I said, now that's interesting. Ten minutes later, the big inboard Chrysler engine coughed into eight-cylinder life, and we went roaring off across the blue liquid skin of the lake. Soon we were far enough out to where we could see the whole jagged circle of Lago Atitlan, with Panahachel behind us to the north, and to the south ten miles, the main volcano, the very one that history books said had exploded and buried this highland civilization a thousand years ago. The Criscraft roar unexpectedly died. She'd cut the engine. I realized there was absolutely no one watching us way out here. She didn't say anything until the boat drifted and came to a windless stop. Ah, so now, she said softly, our moment in the sun. I assume you don't mind a short pause. She once again quickly stripped off her top and shorts, knowing I couldn't help but watch. She was a strange one, acting just slightly too overt. When I didn't seem to respond to her sexual wiles, she pouted her lips at me in annoyance, tossed a yoga mat before her, and went on hands and knees across the slightly arched bow of the boat, then collapsed down on her stomach. You're thinking of some other woman, she grumbled. Am I so very ugly? She reached over to her day pack and came out with a joint, fired it up amid fervent puffing, and offered it to me. Uh, no thanks, I said. Ah, that delicious mota rush up the spine. And Jacques, look down deep into this marvelous lake. It's mesmerizing, all those ripples creating moiré patterns that generate in the brain similar neural ripples. And that breeze just now picking up touching me like some Mayan god. Ah, skin all over. You would not believe. The volcanic core of Lago Atitlan, it runs down so deep and convoluted that no one has ever explored it unto its true depths. Just like no one's yet truly explored my own inner depths. I am the eyes and ears and skin and sex of the ancient gods, and we must all remember to pause and experience the celestial flowering. Ah, Jacques, I now fade momentarily out of social commission and indulge in this blessed cannabis rush. And I guess she did. I'm a bashful cowboy at heart. I turned away, listening to the lapping of tiny waves against the wooden hull, and the sound of Ursi's breathing dropping deeper, then changing abruptly with almost a sob emerging from her lips. I turned back to her. Hey, what is it? I asked. She was lying on her side now, a hand between her thighs staring off into nothing, tears running down her cheeks. 
I have been too long in the cold, she muttered almost inaudibly, as if to herself. I have become frozen in Bernardo's heat. Everyone, ah, go to hell, leave me alone, fuck you all. I, oh, I, I talk nonsense. And I know, we must now go, so that I can give you the full tour before Bernardo returns home from the city. She made a move, sat upright cross-legged on the mat. Well, I am at least now somewhat released and operant, she said. Do you want to, um, talk about Bernardo, I offered? No, no, please. I was becoming weak just then. The marijuana. I admit I am slightly over my head with Bernardo, but I shall not yield my primary cause. And what is that? I asked. She looked hard at me, and I saw some part of her I hadn't seen before. Waging war against the primitive fear center of the mammalian brain, cleverly challenging its ancient reptilian programming, its blind, endless, heartless violence. There must come a massive change. Science must now step forward and purposefully alter our neural programming. My father, he raped my mother. When I was ten, I vowed to God to use science to short-circuit the male amygdala. And I am now quite close to success. But enough meaningless marijuana mumbles. And now it is your turn to take the controls. Sitting at the wheel remembering long-gone summers up at Tahoe, steering almost the same identical boat, I let my eyes dominate my focus as they roamed along the shore we were approaching. I could make out coffee plantations, large cornfields, orange groves, and a few unidentifiable crops extending for several miles along the shore and at least half a mile up towards the jagged mountains to the east. I guessed that over the top of that highest ridge and down way below to the east would be Guatemala City, but that vast urban realm seemed light years from here. I was checking out three large well-kept haciendas that sat back a hundred yards or so from the shore. There was also some major construction of some sort. Ursula pointed for me to veer off to the left toward a fairly wide lagoon. A minute or two later, she stood up and found her top and covered her breasts, then took over the wheel as we approached a large, traditional stucco hacienda on the left, with well-kept lawns and a big, new, multi-level addition behind and up the hill, sporting several layered stories, and then a unique dome a fairly new boat dock with three enclosed boathouses awaited us, with another criss-craft plus a couple twenty-foot open cargo boats tied up alongside. Leaving the keys in the ignition and taking my hand, she guided me up a path from the river through gardens and ancient shade trees and sloping lawns, then through a heavy hardwood front door and into a living room 
furnished with all modern classy city stuff, nothing that would make you feel you were up here on Lago Atitlan. A man in a suit with no tie was sitting over on a far couch with his back to us, talking quietly on a cell phone. He turned his head and looked our way. Oh, it's only you, Hersey said to him, her voice sounding more dominant than before. Jack, meet our person from the embassy, Nathan Wingster. I, of course, recognized him. He came over, pocketing his phone in the interior of his suit coat. Such a small world we inhabit down here, he said to me, his face a friendly grimace. We never saw you at the embassy. I came directly up to the lake, I said right back at him. Didn't break any law, did I? By coincidence, he went on, I was just now hearing by phone about that mystery woman you gave a ride to. Surely you remember, he said smoothly, watching my expression. The Guatemalan beauty who told you she was German. Well, in fact, she is a quarter German at that. You haven't by any chance heard from her, have you? No, I said evenly. Not a word. I'm just concerned for your safety, Jack. And where will you be staying the night, in case we don't see each other later? Ursula spoke up. Nate, I must inform you. This beautiful creature shall stay with me forever and ever. We are old friends. Nate gave her a quick glare. She made a face right back at him, then guided me down a hallway, where a wild metallic roar suddenly cut at the air outside, as a sleek blue and gold helicopter appeared like a sci-fi demon, sat down and cut its motor outside the house, beyond the lawn. Ursula's reaction was to pull me away from the window. There is Bernardo, so soon, she said. I must go talk to him. Please go out that back door and calmly walk up the pathway on the other side of the lawn toward the new building. When you come to a brook, stop there and wait for me.